Hello, and welcome to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore the why in the teaching profession. I'm your host, Christy Everhart. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss that million-dollar question of what's your why in education? Thank you for joining us this morning for another episode of Our Heart for Teaching. This morning, I am joined by Brian Charlton from Colleen ISD. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. And Brian, would you just take a minute to introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know who you are and kind of your background in education and what you do now? Okay. My name is uh, Brian Charlton. I am. Uh, this is going to be my 23rd year in education. Um, I started it, well, I really started out as just a teacher. I became a teacher and a coach uh, my first year of teaching, which was back in 98. Uh, from 98, I spent from 1998 till 2012 at Ellison High School as both a math teacher and a, and a soccer coach. I was the girls' uh, varsity soccer coach. Then I, I took a year off. Then I moved to Harker Heights High School, where I became a, a math teacher and a soccer coach there. And I coached there for, for the next seven years. Uh, then after that, I took a, what we called a facilitator for special programs, basically meant I was a 504 coordinator on campus. And I held that role for two years. And starting in my third year, um, I was offered a position to be the district 504 at-risk general education homebound and dyslexia specialist in the district, so uh, for the secondary side. So I'm one of two specialists in our district. Uh, one manages the secondary, or one secondary, and one is the elementary side. Uh, so that's pretty much a, a synopsis of my career so far. That's awesome, and I know being a coordinator for all of those special programs, you wear a lot of hats and, and take on a lot of responsibilities, so thank you for that. Yes, ma'am, it's my pleasure. And Brian, this podcast is centered absolutely focus on our why and our purpose for education because as educators we get that asked that all the time like why do you do what you do so what is your purpose and the reason you decided to enter education in the first place well my 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 why has really evolved as as i've grown um my 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 biggest why is obviously is is the helping of of young people who are deserving of and in, in my role, it's it's the kids who are, are marginalized. They're the ones that, that struggle the most. They have they have impairments that their that their peers don't have um, and trying to assist those students uh, to get the education, give them access to the education so they can they can grow and learn and become productive citizens. Uh, my my journey is really, really kind of well, I don't know if it's unique these days or not, but it's it was. I never started out to be a teacher. And let, let me just put that out there. In high school, I was I was the guy that was going to go out and, you know, I had a, I had a plan to go out and build my own hotel. It was going to be called the Charlton, which kind of fits. I would be a great hotel name. Um, right. Never came to fruition. I, I ended up going when I graduated college. I graduated college with a BBA in strategic management. Um, I went to work for Walmart as a manager, as a store manager. And I was I was with Walmart for for four years. Um, no, five years working for Walmart. And, and I'd really progressed pretty well. Um, there were some things that, that, that happened within the company that I was just very disenfranchised with. And I really felt it was, it was a God calling to really leave that because I think God had a better plan for me. 
Uh, and, and I had realized in those four years, uh, my, my, my oldest son was born uh, first off. And, and his first year of life, I really didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. Uh, I missed his first meal. I missed his first steps, his first words. And, and I was just really frustrated with that because I, I, I thought, you know, when we have more kids, I'm just not going to be able to spend time with them. And that, again, that was, I think, God calling my heart to say, hey, it's time for you to move, move on. Well, as I did that, I just kind of floundered around a little bit and I didn't know which direction I was going to go in. And a family friend of ours, I went to go into to KISD's office, home office, their HR department. And there was a, a family friend, uh, Bill Ritter, who was the HR director at the time. And I just went down and sat down to it, sat down with him. I said, hey, I've got a business degree. What kind of opportunities do I have in KISD? And, and, and he must have seen something because he just said, he said, Brian, we need to get we need to get you as a teacher first. That's the first thing you have to do. And I said, well, there's no way. So that is not what I'm doing. I, I'm not going to be a teacher. And, and so after you know some prayer and some searching, and I went into a Region 12 uh, teacher program, and I spent a year doing that. And, and everyone that I came across kept saying, Brian, we need to get you in a classroom. We need to get you in a classroom. And so it just, it just kind of everything fell into place. God just like, he didn't open doors. He like, he like threw them open uh, to the point where um, before I finished the teacher program, they had, a, they had a position open at Ellison High School. And, and Bill Ritter just said, hey, let me call the principal and see what he wants to do. And, and he hired me without even doing an interview. And it just it seemed to work out really well. And, and the principal and I became really good friends. And, and it was just a great opportunity. And again, like I said, it was just God, God throwing doors open because he knew this is where I needed to be. And so my heart has really grown to understand and, and to follow those students who really need the most help. And that's what I saw in my 20 years of, in the classroom was those students who struggle the most, the students with dyslexia that, that, that had a tough time reading because they, they just didn't know how to read or they're not didn't how to read, but they, they, they had those, the difficulties in reading because of their dyslexia. And, and those students who had, who had other impairments that their peers didn't have and walking them through and helping them grow. And so that kind of led me to where I'm at right now. And you didn't start out in dyslexia. You said you started out in a math program. Correct. I was I was the I was a math teacher and just a general ed math teacher. In fact, I didn't have my first inclusion class with sped kids until I guess probably 13 years into teaching. Um, but I did have 504 students. Uh, so those are the students that that really kind of spoke to my heart most. Um, you know, I didn't really have access to a whole lot to sped, although I've, I've spent a lot of time in that world now uh, in this role. So I've gotten to appreciate the, the the needs of those students. But at the end of the day, it, it was just it was I have a heart for all kids. And I, I really want to help those kids that that really are striving to learn and try striving to grow. And and a lot of them are the ones that are struggling. Absolutely. And that's where my heart lies as well. I've done everything like you. I started out as a general ed math teacher and switched over to um, inclusion which is where I got my first like, oh, wow, like this is a whole brand new world and started falling in love with, you know, those students who struggle and um, eventually switched back to general education because I missed having my own classroom mm -hmm. um, and then ended up in special ed as a resource teacher, which was an amazing experience. And now I'm an intervention teacher and I love it. I absolutely love it because like you say, those those kiddos who struggle just being able to give them the tools they need is amazing. So as you started 
can you talk a little bit about your experience just in your first inclusion class and what that was like and how your heart started? Cause you, you went from the extreme of, I am not going to be a teacher to your heart started to change. And now you're in the classroom and working in general ed, like that's a huge shift to go from the general ed to where now we're working with those struggling students. So just how did your mindset start to change as you started getting to work with some of the 504 kids and how did it, how did you start getting that journey to, Oh yeah, I want to, I really want to focus in on working with these struggling kids. Well, it really that happened that first year. I had a, I had an amazing, um, amazing inclusion teacher that was, that was there assisting me. And, and, and I grew a lot from her, Miss P she, uh, she, she was, she had a heart for those kids to begin with. But I remember I only had one inclusion class that year. And, and that inclusion class had, had eight kids in it, eight inclusion kids who were, who had never passed a, a state test in their life. And so they'd struggled, they'd struggled, they'd struggled. And that year getting to work with those, those kids. And of course it was a class I had, there were 32 kids in the room and they just happened to be eight of them. Um, so out of 32, I had eight of those kids and, and that class um, just the heart that they put in and the effort that they put in and the work they put in and the relationship that Miss P and I was able to build with, build with those kids. Every one of them passed the, the algebra one star that year. And, and, you know, they were so excited and they were so appreciative of what was, what they earned. And, and I'd say it earned because they did earn it. They, they worked hard for that. Uh, for kids who had never been able to pass a, a, a state mandated test for them to reach that goal was just phenomenal for them. And so that really got me on my started started on my journey with those with those students and 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 having a heart for those kids because sometimes, you know, and, and it's again when you're looking at teachers, we're all human, and and sometimes we look at those kids and and the the struggle that they have, and we've got so many other kids in the room. I was blessed because the other students in that room didn't drain the time from me because they were they weren't the needy kids, um, you know, because you know the, the general kids sometimes they can be just as needy. Um, right. But well, I didn't have those in that room. So it allowed me as a classroom teacher to really, really kind of divide the class up and start working some of those kids that really had those needs and enrich those kids because they can do a lot of the work on their own, those enrichment activities. And I was really able to spend that time with them. Doesn't always happen. And so, again, through no fault of the general teachers, they work hard at their, their but sometimes it's just the time that you need to spend with those kids. You just don't get to do it. And, and that's the frustrating part for me. And what I see is I know how hard teachers work and I know how hard they have to work day in and day out. We just need to figure out how, a better way to make sure that, that those kids that need extra help are getting that extra help. So sure. that's, that's the struggle that we're facing. Yes, sir. I absolutely agree. And I thank you for acknowledging just the hard work that, you know, teachers, gen ed, special ed um, interventionists like, the struggle that we all face and just being able to give the time that we need to, to each kid who, you know, they all amounts of time. And sometimes we just don't have it despite our best interest. So I, I love that. And I appreciate the acknowledgement of that. And I think your story that you're sharing, um, especially in the first moments of being able to work with these kids and realize they did it, they earned it. And that amazing victory that, you know, years later, you still, I'm sure as you were telling the story, we're still smiling because it's just joy bringing and exciting when they realize, oh my gosh, I can do this. It's so wonderful. So talk to me 
Brian, about your own experience as a student, because again, you have that unique journey. And so as you got into education and you started being the teacher, did you reflect back on what it was like being a student? And did you have good interactions with your teachers when you were in a student? Well, and, and, and I was, I was actually speaking to my cohort the other day about this. Um, you know, when I look back at my elementary and, and my middle school and, and my high school career, I don't there. There is just no real teacher that jumps out at me. Um, I, say aside from one, I, I had uh, and I was her. Uh, she was my chemistry teacher in high school. Um, and I spent a lot of time with her because my senior year when and I, I graduated over in Germany and in the Dodd system in Germany. Uh, my last two years I spent in at Nuremberg American High School. And so my last part of the day as a senior, I was I was kind of that co-op work job, but I was doing I was working as a lab assistant in the chemistry lab uh, with with Miss Krebs, who was the chemistry teacher at the time. She's really the only teacher that really stands out as me out to me as as being that teacher that really mentored and and really, you know, went above and beyond, I would say. So I really didn't have that 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 one teacher that just inspired me to do, which probably why. I was not really terribly inspired to becoming a teacher. Um, my my experiences I got into teaching was that's where I really became uh, motivated to to use the skills that God gave me to become a teacher, to be the, the, a classroom teacher, and then ultimately to be an advocate for those students. So it's it's my my journey is really interesting. Like I said, because it's not it's not one that said, oh wow, this this teacher just inspired me to do and mo- move on. So my style has been one that I've developed becoming who I am and just sharing the gifts that I have. So it's not something that that was just stirred into me by another teacher. It's, I guess colleagues have done it. And and my first my first few years at Ellison High School, uh, Betty Grisham, who was our who was our our lead teacher, essentially, um, she was amazing and she was a great mentor. Uh, in fact, she was my mentor when I first started teaching. Uh, I think she has been she was more of an impact on me, had more of an impact on me than than anybody else. In, in education as I started. And I think if I didn't have that mentor when I started, um, I don't think I'd be here today. I think I would have lost those gifts. And, and you know, of course, God had his plan. And, and I'm sure God would have found a way to, to, to get me where get me where he needed me to be. But at the end of the day, I, it, I just look back on it. I think it was it was Betty Grisham's mentorship, my first couple of years of teaching that really kind of guided me. That's awesome. And you said a few things that really stood out to me. First of all, I love how you're like being super real about your own experience in education. And I think that that's something that we do need to acknowledge um, because not all of us had a great experience. I'm one of those who's like, yeah, some were okay. A lot were not. And a lot of things that impacted me were some of the negative things that were said that I'm like, oh, heck no, I will be better for these kids than what my teachers were for me. Um, But as you come into that, you said, you know, I'm just going to be who I am in the classroom. I'm going to I'm going to be myself. And I think that's really, really important for these kids to see and a hard lesson sometimes for teachers, because, you know, just like in society, we're trying to, you know, oh, I want to be just like so and so. And you try to be something that you're not. And then (laughs) it doesn't always work very well. So I love that you just embraced. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to explore the gifts that I have and just pour into these kids. And 
I absolutely love that you mentioned the importance of having a good mentor. And I love districts that have an amazing mentor program because it does make a difference. And those first years of education are just hard. So having somebody who's there with you, walking along with you, helping you there for your questions and helping you grow is just amazing. So thank you for also mentioning the importance of having that mentor, especially in those first few years as you're growing. I appreciate that. And, and something else I want to add to that is, is you know, and, and something I left out is my journey because sometimes I kind of block it out. But the importance of, of when you're in high school and, and, and how we sometimes look at kids and we, we decide already what their future is going to be like as a high school student, knowing that there's going to be a lot of growth left in that student. Um, my, my high school counselor um, once told me that I just need to join the Army because I wasn't going to be fit for education. Uh, because I wasn't going to be that student that was going to go get a degree. And I wasn't going to, she said, because in high school, like I said, I wasn't, there was no one challenging me. There was no one motivating me. I was, I was in high school to play sports. And, and I, 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 I lettered in four sports. I was, a, I was, a, I was a kid who played sports. And so I got C's, C's and B's. That was my, that was my thing. Cause I, I did just enough. Uh, Cause I remember when I was, when I was in KISD, that was back in the eighties when they first started doing no pass, no play. And so I was like, well, i got to pass because I want to play. I don't want to not I don't want to not play sports. So that was my motivator. But when my counselor basically told me that I needed to when I got out of high school, I just needed to join the army because that was all I was going to be able to do. Um, that that kind of irked me a little bit that she was kind of already pigeonholing me and telling me that I wasn't going to be able to do anything. And now I have two degrees and I look back on it and I think, you know, we as educators, sometimes we put this, especially in high school. We put this onus on, oh, the curriculum is so important. The curriculum is so important. The curriculum is so important. These kids need to learn this because their life, you know what? And, and as an adult now, I go back and I wish that I had spent more time learning. Yes, that is a, that is something I had. But I can now as an adult learn those things. I go forward. If it's something I want to know, I go out and learn because I know how to learn. And I think that's the biggest thing we need to teach our kids is just how to be a, a, a student, how to learn, because we're always going to learn. Uh, but but we shouldn't be telling kids, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. I think we need to open the opportunities up and let them know what they're going to need to achieve their goals. Not, oh, you can't do that. You need to do this. And so I think that's very important, especially for our, for our young educators to understand, because they're going to be pushed into, oh, you got to follow your curriculum. You got to do this. You got to do this. And sometimes, you know, the old adage that that kids don't care what you know until they know you care. That, right. that adage is absolutely true. You know, kids aren't going to care what you're teaching them if they don't think that you care about where their future is lying. So when you tell a kid, oh, you're going to only be able to do this, you've shut them down. I think that's a very powerful story. And I'm going to piggyback off of what you said. And I appreciate that so, so much because what you said just really resonates with my own purpose and my own why. And I remember too, I don't know what it is about high school. um, And I'm a middle school teacher, so I really don't have experience outside of my own high school experience. But I remember in high school and um, people who know me, I'm very goal driven and I like do everything 100 percent. And I remember saying as a, a student in band, it's like I am going to go to Carnegie Hall because you go big or you go home. Um, 
And that was the biggest thing I could imagine in music. Like that's when I would know I have made it. And um, I remember my band director and of course I was excited. It was my brand new goal. Yes, we're going to do this. And I dream big. And I told my band director, my band director looked me in the eye and said, you will never be good enough to go to Carnegie Hall which really aggravated me. And I was like, my, my teenage brain at the time was thinking, I, I respectfully did not say anything, but inside of my brain, I was like, you watch me, you right. just watch me. And um, I went to college as a music major and had some really good friends there and an opportunity came up to audition. And at 19 years old, I actually made the national wind ensemble as a bassoon player and got nice. to go play in Carnegie Hall I was like oh heck yeah and like this day that's like I bring that into my classes with my school and it's like I will never be that person telling you what you can or can't do it's like what do you want to do and then how can I help you get there um and that's huge in my own career with my kiddos like so I love that you share that and and stated how powerful an impact that is and how aggravating it is just as a student to hear that because yeah, I don't know what we think we are as adults to tell them what, you know, within reason, like it's their dream. If that's what they have a passion and purpose to do, it's our job to help cultivate that. So thank you so much for being brave to share that story because that's sure. powerful. Well, I've, I've got plenty of those stories because that that's, you know, and I also think of one of the things that guide me as a coach. <laughs> of course, when, 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 you're, when you're in the military, my family was, my dad was military. We moved around a lot, and, and my junior year is when we moved to Germany. Well, I was a, at, at Killeen ISD when I was at Killeen High School. I, I was the backup goalkeeper, uh, and I was slated to be, you know, moving to the varsity slot my junior year, and uh, we moved to Germany. Well, when we got to Germany, they already had their goalkeeper, and the coach never even looked at me, never gave me a second thought. But this is the story I, I, I tell parents sometimes. And I tell kids and I tell parents the both, both the same. Because nowadays we get parents that are all up in arms and they, they want to call and, and be that advocate for their kid. And, and my parents didn't do that. My parents said, just work. And, and I did. And I worked my tail off. Every day at practice, every day. When it came to start the season, uh, we were playing, uh, playing in Heidelberg. And Heidelberg was always, at the time, Heidelberg was, you know, the best team in Europe. And the, the starting goalkeeper just didn't show up. And so coach came to me and he said, I need you to be the starter. And he told me that as we were walking off the bus as we got there in Heidelberg. So I mentally prepared myself, had an amazing game. Uh, was, we ended up losing the game one to nothing, but this is a Heidelberg team that would beat teams eight, nine, nothing. And so I, I didn't, from that point on, I was the starter. When the, when, the, the, when the other kid came back and he told the coach what was going on, what happened in his family, coach was like, sorry, you're benched. And it was my job for the next two years. I never lost it. And so to me, the, the story is you never quit. You never complain. You do the work. You do the work. And parents don't, please don't go to coaches and say, oh, you need to give my kid. It's about what your student does, how hard they're willing to work. When they put the work in, it shows. And then when they get the opportunity, that's when they show. Exactly. So and I love that. Getting to bring that lesson into your education as well, like especially with your your struggling kiddos that you focus on and work with, it's mm -hmm. I mean, 
when they realize that and they embrace it, like that's just when you see explosive growth, I feel in your students is when they take that on and it's like, no, this is my, my time and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to put it in. And then they start to shine and excel in almost every opportunity. It's just when they embrace that and don't feel entitled to something, but no, I've got to work for it. Um, is where you really start to see that growth. And, you know, I, I love it when we get to see it. And other times it's like you say, you know, you figure this out when you're an adult and like, oh, I could have done this, but now I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both ways, I mean, it works. I mean, we're all on our own time frame, So, you know, and it's a journey. And I think that's the biggest thing is we want people to understand life is a journey. And, and in the journey, you just never know what's going to happen. Very true. Thank you. So Brian, another question that I really like to talk to teachers and educators about is, you know, what advice? It's really, really hard in the education world, first of all, no matter what we're doing, because there's so many responsibilities. There's never enough time. You know, our hearts are just so much invested in these students and we feel like we're never doing enough. Um, So a lot of times it's really easy to just get bogged down with the routines and the, you know, the stress of it all. So when that starts to happen, what are some ways that you recenter on your purpose and your why and get back to the, you know, this is what really matters. How do you do that? Well, mine starts with my family. And, and I, I think it's, it's so important that, that people understand the, the importance of family. Uh, and, and I know not everybody has a great upbringing and not everybody has a, had that, has that, that father and mother figure at home that, that really guided them. Uh, I do. My, my parents were amazing. And I have to say, even though my father was in the military and, and he, he went to his share of wars, uh, served in the Vietnam War uh, for two different times. He went to, to the first Gulf War. Um, so he has served in the, in the military for 30 years. And there were times that he just wasn't he was he was gone because of the military. And the strength of my mother, who was who was also a classroom teacher, and I think that's where that's where my spark ended up coming from is is from from her. Uh, but her love and her guidance for the family kept us going forward. And and now I took carry that into my own family. And as a professional, I look back and and my wife is a teacher as well. And I think that makes it a big difference because we have that shared bond. Uh, we were able to do a lot of things with our kids over the summer because we were educators. And I think we get bogged down so much in the negatives of teaching. Well, it's so hard. And, and, and it, is, it, is, it, it is incredibly hard. And, and it, it really pains me when I pe- hear people in the community go, well, you, know, you only work from nine to three. I'm like, well, that is not even close to being true. <laughs> right. um, and, and so they, they just say, oh, it's just an easy job. All you do is, is, is stand there and, and talk to kids all day. I'm like, well, that's, again, not at all true. Um, but at the end of the day, when you look at what a teacher's job is, you're literally locked in a room all day long with kids. If you're elementary, you're literally locked in with those kids all day long and you get to take them to lunch every now and again. They get them specials like music, but you're with those kids all day long. So there's no there's no chance to, to take a breath. There's not even a chance to really go to the bathroom. And so when you start thinking about the negatives, it really drains you. You have to find that positive side of your life as to what gives you joy in life. Now, obviously, the teaching gave me joy and it, and it has given me joy for many years and it still gives me joy. But my family is a strength for me. I go home and I get recharged because I get to be with my family. And of course, now my kids, my, my oldest is going to be 27. 
in, in March. My youngest will be 24. They're both um, college graduates. They're both on their life, in their life. So it's my wife and I at home. But my wife and I, we just have that bond at home where it's just we, we recharge each other. And I think that's an important key in, in what you're doing. Your, your life has to be complete. It can't just be about one thing. That's awesome. I appreciate that advice. And I appreciate just the acknowledgement of, you know, it's really easy to get stuck in the negative. So we have to have something that can bring us back to the positive where we can enjoy all the wonderful things that do happen um, every day that, you know, we tend to ignore if we're not careful because, because of the negative things. And, and the important part is also be a, be a good, be a good person to the people around you and understand that they're going to struggle and we need to pick each other up as teachers. We don't need to drag each other down. We need to pick each other up. And, and I think we do a little bit more dragging down these days than we do picking up. And I'm not saying to that, that we can't do our, our moments of where I need to just vent. And, and venting sessions are helpful because you've got to get it off your chest. But at the end of the day, we've got to be good to each other. And we need to spend time with each other and get to know each other as well. And I think, you know, I, I look back on my time at Ellison High School and, and even at Harker Heights High School as well. My time as a teacher, I had amazing people around me who were always supportive, who shared ideas, who shared thoughts. It wasn't a I never felt like I was alone in this teaching journey. And I think that's another critical component. If you feel alone as a teacher, you're not going to last long. Right. And I love that. I love that you acknowledge it is okay to vent because we do need to. It will eat us up inside if we don't have that. But also, you know, not every teacher needs to vent on the same day. We're not always having bad times. So surrounding yourself with those people who do have that positive attitude, who can lift you up. And likewise, you can lift them up as well. And just building that community where you've got each other's backs is so important. And I have a great district that I feel does a great job with this. And I love them. I've been with them for this is my 14th year. And I would not have made it if I didn't have that. So thank you for saying that. And I do believe it's super true to surround yourself, you know, somewhere with educators who can build you up and, and keep you positive in those times where it's okay. I'm just having a really tough day. Like, um, because even their stories can make you smile and, and remind yourself. That's part of why I love this podcast. Cause it's like, let's just remind ourselves, like we've all got an awesome purpose and why, and, you know, recenter back on that. And I love it. Like the stories are just amazing. So you've already shared some awesome advice for teachers, but thinking about the new teachers or the teachers who are, you know, close to that point of burnout right now, what would be your best piece of advice to give them, especially still thinking on recentering with your why and your purpose in education? What, what piece of advice would you give for those teachers who are just really burnout right now or new and struggling? Well, and, and, and sometimes it's just about revitalization and, and, and anymore it used to be, and I remember the days that, you know, you know, my first couple of years of teaching it, you know, I could spend a good portion of my summer just relaxing and I would go to maybe one or two workshops. Now it just seems like there's workshops all summer long and the summer's always gone. So there's no chance to recharge. My advice, and it's the advice that I give my, my daughter-in-law who is, who is a, she's basically, I guess it's her second year teaching. She, she and her husband, she and my, my son 
Uh, they were in South Carolina. He got he got uh, restationed. He's a naval officer. He got restationed in, in Memphis um, at Hanahan. Um, not Hanahan. I forget the name of it. Millington. Um, and so she teaches in, in Memphis. And, and so the advice I give her is, is you've got to spend time away from it. Um, we get caught up in, in working, you know, 16 to 18 hour days because we'll work at school. Then we'll come home and we'll grade papers. We'll do lesson plans. Uh, we'll do a lot of the administrative stuff that happens because there's no time during the day. Right. When there are breaks, you have to take the breaks. Go find adventurous things to do. I, I, whatever, whatever hobbies you have, you have got to develop hobbies. You've got to develop those things that take you outside of the education world. So you're not consumed with that because it will consume you. And, and, and it's, I think that's the appropriate word is because you get eaten up by it and that's all you do. Right. I think that's awesome. And I do hear more and more teachers say, you know, figure out how to set those boundaries. And then that's what's been very helpful. So thank you for reiterating that as well. And the last thing I'd like to offer you an opportunity to shout out an educator in your life who's just really made a difference in your own life and helped shape who you are. Is there a person that you would like to shout out this morning? Well, there's a there's a few of them. And, and you know, I, I consider I consider really close friends still. Um, uh, unfortunately, um, the, the, the first one, which I mentioned already, Betty Grisham, uh, she's not in education anymore. She had, uh, she unfortunately had a, a, an aneurysm and, and she's, she's in a hospital right now. Uh, but, um, she's one, uh, Niles Donalds was, was a tremendous assistant to me, uh, assist to me. Uh, he was, he was a boy soccer coach when I was first starting as a girl soccer coach. And he was a great mentor with that, uh, still a phenomenal friend. Uh, his wife, Laura Donalds, as I moved into this spot, uh, has been a great, uh, a great assist to me. Um, Christy Douglas, uh, Dustin Douglas, those two, have, they've, they really have helped me along the journey. When I started moving into administration, again, you can see the list. These, these, these are names that just keep coming through. Uh, Keith Kearney is, was, was phenomenal. Brian Stevens was phenomenal in terms of helping me transition to the administration side. And, and then going beyond that, learning more about SPED, Kevin Langson was was uh, he was our SPED coordinator when I stepped in as the first as a 504 coordinator. And I learned a lot from him. So I think in our journey, we've got to realize that that we're going to have a lot of people helping us. We need to recognize the help and then we need to take it. We need to be very open and willing to learn. And, and you know, when, when I go back and I think about my, my relationship with Kevin, um, Kevin had been, you know, I guess he'd been in education six years and um, I'd been in 21 years and I, I listened to him. I took advice from him because he had a specific set of knowledge. I think it's about, hey, opening ourselves up and, and being vulnerable to say, hey, I need help from someone and then accept the help. And, and I think when you find that, when you do that, you're going to find a lot of mentors out there. And, and so all those names I named, they, are, they, were, they were always there when I needed help. And they still are. And, that, and that's, I mean, I'm still to this day, um, I contact them all the time. I think that's awesome. And having a great professional network with all these people who can help you and you know who to go to when you need a certain thing is amazing. And the bravery to reach out and say, Hey, I do need help for a minute because we don't know everything. We're not supposed to know everything, you know, but being able to build on 
what I do know and, and that scaffolding there, like it helps them grow. It helps you grow. And, you know, just that community that you build is amazing. And I think sometimes, and I know, I know early in, early on in my life, I, I, I learned this as I was working at Walmart and I think I've, I've changed this in my mindset. I used to think that it was a sign of weakness when you had to ask for help. Um, and I guess, you know, part of that was just, you know, how I was, how I, I viewed things. Um, but now I look at it this way. When you ask for help, you're actually giving another person a chance to grow in their strength and understanding on something because now they get to teach you. And in teaching, we know we learn far, we learn far better. And, and I think giving that, that, that relationship piece and understanding that when I ask for help, I'm giving a, a person a chance to share their knowledge and giving them more strength in that knowledge. So again, I think it's a, a two-way street. And I think we've got to understand that, that it's a symbiotic relationship. You have to have both. And I think both need it. Well, I've never heard it explained that way. Um, and that's a powerful way to explain that, especially the giving them an opportunity to grow. That's an amazing mind frame to put when asking for help. So thank you for that. Yeah. Okay, Brian, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, certainly through email, because I'm, I'm not in one place at, at, at any given time. I, I bounce around the district a lot. Uh, so if they want to get in touch with me, they certainly can reach out to my email at, at uh, brian.charlton at Colleen ISD. Um, feel free to share that. I'm, I'm happy to visit with anybody if they're, if they're struggling, if they have questions, if they, they're just, if, if they're just reaching a moment in life where they just don't, they don't, they don't know what to do, or they have a question about something and they're afraid about something. I'll be happy to answer any questions that they have. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm open and, and honest with folks. Um, but I'm, I'm also going to be willing to be a mentor for, for folks. I, I've, I've, uh, I've been willing to do that with a lot of people. And, and, you know, again, my, my daughter-in-law loves to reach out to me all the time, asking me questions. Um, and it doesn't always have to be legal questions. She just, she was asking me, what about this in the classroom? I'm doing this. What do you think? Um, so again, whatever, whatever questions they have, I'm willing to answer. I think that's awesome. And thank you for allowing our listeners to reach out in that way. Well, Brian, this has been an amazing interview and thank you so much for all the stories that you've shared. I think you've given a lot for us to embrace and think about and, a new perspective in working with those struggling students. And you've shared some really powerful stories about the impact that teachers do make on our lives, like even the negative impact that we can have, but as well as the, you know, the positive impacts that we can have by just taking time to build that community. So thank you so much for your time this morning. And I'm really excited to share this out with our listeners. And I appreciate you being on the show. Oh, thank you, Christy, for having me. I really, really appreciate it. You have been listening to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore our purpose and our why in the field of education. If you would like more information or to share your own purpose in education, be sure to connect with me on Twitter at A Heart for Teaching. I look forward to hearing from you soon, and please tune in to the next episode of Our Heart for Teaching.